just embracing myself for who I am, right? I have to embrace who I am, just the way I am internally first before anybody else is able to do that. And I think a part of doing that will let you live unapologetically. Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of the Mad Happy Podcast. I'm Payman. And I'm Mason. And we created this podcast to have conversations about mental health. We talk about some pretty serious topics on the show. We are by no means professionals and are not giving advice. If you or someone you know needs help, please visit us at localoptimist.com backslash podcasts. Today, we are talking to singer, songwriter, entrepreneur, and fellow podcaster, Eric Nam about his mental health journey. We wanted to have Eric on to learn more about his story, his experience with mental health, and what it's been like growing up as an Asian American who grew up in the States and then moved over to Korea once he started his K-pop career. It was amazing to hear about his entrance into the K-pop world while also learning more about his experience as an immigrant child and how that shaped not only his music career, but his life as a whole. Eric is a huge advocate for for mental health and it was awesome just to speak to him on what he thinks of the movement how important these conversations are to him and all the things that he's doing on his podcasting side with mindset and dive studios it was awesome to hear his vulnerability and how open he was with us about his experience the mad happy podcast is brought to you by optimism please enjoy the show with eric Today, we have a very special guest. Eric, how do you introduce yourself these days? Oh, my name is Eric Nam. I'm a singer, songwriter, uh, entrepreneur, and uh, just a human being. You know, I think that's it. Love it. Super excited to have you today. I think for us, uh, or for me, the first time I heard about you a couple months ago, my friend Jerry texted me and he was like, You ever heard of this thing, Mindset? I was like, No, what is it? And uh. he, was, he was telling me a little bit about it. And he's like, dude, it's like, they talk about mental health. You guys, you guys talk about mental health, like you should check it out. And then I think someone randomly also from your team, I think it was Brandon reached out to us about doing something with the local optimist. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, this is like crazy timing. And then here we are and excited to have you. I think over the past couple of weeks, been listening to your pod and I went all the way back, listened to episode one oh. <laughs> and the most recent one to just make, you know, to just motivate myself of just, you know, it seems like the show is like, come such a long way congrats on all the success of that show and all your other shows thank you, um, thank you. for you like how's the journey been on the podcasting side dude um well welcome to the podcasting world uh it's <laughs> <laughs> it's been a roller coaster it's been really cool because i think podcasting gives you an excuse to have conversations with people you normally wouldn't have and and it's a sure. it's just a great excuse and so you know from really big k-pop stars on my k-pop show to incredible actors and actresses and producers and politicians on some of the other shows that I have, like it's given me a reason to be and stay educated in the know on certain things that I typically would not think of. Um, so it's been, it's been really cool in that sense. And then also just building a great community at Dive Studios and what we're creating um, with people who are really interested in Asian, Asian American content, politics, news, like the entire thing. And so it's been a really fascinating roller coaster ride that we've been on for the past almost two years now i think just under two years so yeah yeah that's amazing i think that podcasting space is like so much more like intimate than we thought when we first Mm -hmm. started because like literally people are listening to you in their ears and you really feel like you get to know someone like i feel like the past week i've been listening a lot and i know a lot about you which (laughs) might be weird but um 
Mason, you want to get us started with the prompt? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just thinking about people getting to know us by listening to <laughs> us in their ears, and it, it feels weird. Um, but yeah, we love to start off every episode uh, with a prompt from our Mad Happy Journal, uh, just to kind of see how everyone's feeling, take everyone's temperature, and all kind of get grounded together in the room. Mm. Uh, so I'll say our prompt. I'm going to answer it. Eric, then I'll kick it to you, and then Payman uh, will follow us up. Uh, today's prompt is, today I am going to focus my energy on. Uh, for me today, uh, it's actually the three year anniversary of me becoming sober. Uh, it's my wow. so sober birthday today. Congrats. That's amazing. Thank you, man. Uh, so that just has me feeling really good and really grateful. We also launched our show, uh, which is amazing too. So just those things together to be able to talk about mental health as part of what I do for a living and also just personally to really be on track and feeling good. Um, I just feel super grateful and blessed for my support system and my family and, and my partners and everyone here at Mad Happy and Beyond. So wow, that's what I'm focusing on today. That's a good one. That's awesome. No pressure, Eric. I know. How do you follow that? I, <laughs> I, I'm going to focus on not worrying about what the person ahead of me did and just doing good. me. Um, I think my focus today is, I think, being intentional with one of the projects that I'm working on and just really taking time to give it the time and care that it needs um, to kind of take its step into becoming full form. I think um, that's something that I've struggled with a lot just because I juggle so many things. But today's one of those days where I just need to sit down, really focus on it and give it the love and attention that it deserves. So I think that'll be my day of intentionality. Awesome. Yeah, for me, just want to focus on also feel like a lot's going on in my life and in work and all of that, but just trying to be present here for this conversation. Uh, like you said, I think we've had the opportunity to speak to some amazing people, some we knew before, some we're just getting to meet here. And I think it's super awesome because we probably wouldn't have connected till much later, perhaps. So excited to be here and get going. Love it. Yeah, I want to start. It was like super interesting. I was, I was looking you up, Eric, and like doing some research and I was like, all right, here's this huge musician and actor and entrepreneur like kind of where did he come from right i was expecting some like child phenom background or like like the jacksons or some shit like that and i thought it was so fascinating how you were born in atlanta right you go to school in boston and then you end up kind of working as an analyst out of school um, and i was just really curious like how did you kind of get into music and entertainment and like where did that creativity kind of come from because on paper it like really didn't seem like you were heading in that direction at all yeah Great question. Um, I think, you know, growing up, it's, you know, as, as a son of immigrant parents, it's always like you have very few options in terms of what they suggest or would like you to pursue in life. Mm -hmm. And I think for a long time, I was like, okay, well, I know the sacrifice that my parents put in to come to this country and, and to make it for my brothers and myself. So I'm going to do my best to kind of follow in that footstep. And so in honoring their sacrifice and their risk that they took for me, it was like, be the best student and kind of tick off all the marks that you need in being a great, quote unquote, great son, yeah. I guess. Check off all the boxes. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I did the college thing. I had, you know, I graduated. I had the great job. I had all those types of things. But that doesn't, I feel like when we think of life, a lot of people like to think of it as a one dimensional thing. But in actuality, people are so multidimensional. We have so many different sides to who we are. And I think that plays out in different social circumstances as well. At a certain party or at a certain gathering or whatever, there are different sides to you that you pull out. 
in the same way, I think there's that academic side of me that was, you know, not horrible at school. I was pretty decent. And then there was always like the more creative side of me. And that I think was with music, with arts and um, just generally thinking creatively. I think that was always something that I had had, but it was never really encouraged or pulled out. Um, it was something that I kind of nurtured by myself. So by the time I was graduating college, I realized I checked all the boxes. I had the job, I had everything, but there was still such a big part of me that felt scared and unfulfilled because it would never had a time or the opportunity to really present itself to the, to everybody else. And so I think I had kind of kept that creativity flowing through YouTube and then smaller projects that I did on the side, creating different organizations or different projects or, you know, talent shows or whatever it is. So I took a year off before I went to, to work full time. So I, in my contract, I said, give me a year off. Mm. I'm going to go do something else and then I'll come back in a year. And I ended up in India doing like a microfinance fellowship or no social enterprise fellowship, I should say. But I promised myself, if I get the opportunity to pursue music during this year off, I will take that opportunity. Because it was something that I'd always kind of denied myself. Right. And so when the opportunity came through like an email that I thought was a scam, uh, <laughs> I was so intent on trying it that I was like, all right, you know, like, what if they steal my identity? No, like, no, they're not going to add. So they, you know, thankfully they sent me a t- ticket and I ended up on like, you know, the equivalent of American Idol in Korea. And that's how wow. music kind of started for me. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's great. I mean, I can really relate to you kind of like the path for me. I went to high school, obviously graduated, went to college because I was just kind of like on autopilot mode as like these are the boxes that we have to check as we kind of grow up and progress. And right. I when I was a freshman, I was at Indiana University and I was just kind of looking at the juniors and seniors and seeing what they were doing and just being like, this this doesn't feel right for me. Mm-hmm. This this isn't really my path. And like, thankfully, I had the support of like my family to really like stop and, and take inventory of like who I was, what I wanted to do and like kind of shake out of just like that subconscious thinking that a lot of people tend to have of like, this is the one clear path. This is all what we're supposed to do. But like you said, there's so many facets and dimensions to us that like, different people are made for like different things obviously right so i can totally relate to that kind of like stop moment and think about what i really want to do you know i ended up dropping out of school uh coming back to la trying trying the community college path a little bit but the classroom was never really like where i felt most comfortable and ended up kind of starting a business before matt happy but it really was like that that leap of faith and Mm -hmm. like tapping into that side of myself that i didn't have a lot of confidence in and that it wasn't really clear where it was going and like it was a huge risk and and it leads me to my question for you of like when you did make that move at the start of last decade to move full-time to korea like what was that kind of like and like what kind of support did you have or like not have or like mm. how did you deal with i'm sure like a lot of the anxiety and kind of nerves that come with like a huge life-changing decision like that yeah um it was scary to be honest you know i i did the tv show um i didn't win it i got the top five so it's like i guess i'm good but like not the best and like you just kind of question a lot of things right. and i i also you know I didn't really speak Korean when I got to Korea. So I was kind of always Mm, working, but always feeling like I was never going to meet my full potential there. But people are always like, why did you choose to do it in Korea? And I was like, well, nobody really gave Asian, Asian Americans a shot 10 years ago. Like even now, there are very few Asian, Asian American entertainers in mainstream media, even still. You know, there are some. Why do you think that is, that they... 
that they weren't kind of giving them their shots. I mean, I think it's, you know, there's just a general lack of diversity or an inclusion or a sense that our voices matter. Or to be very frank, I, I wonder if it's like, oh, well, we probably can't make money off of catering or using Asian, Asian American cast. I'm sure that's kind of like an understated kind of thing that's probably out there. So I think naturally we've always kind of been left out of the conversation. I think in the past few years, we've made tremendous strides and we've really come a long way, a very far way in, in getting more people who look like myself on TV, in film, in music. But I think there's still so much to be done and a lot to create and for, for spaces to open up even more. And so that's what I'm really excited about and I really hope continues to kind of blow up in, in a very positive way. But going back to the question of, of why, like what was like being in Korea, it's like I was there and I was so grateful to have the opportunity to start a career there. I was terrified, but it was really like the only place that I could even envision pursuing music. Yeah. Um, so I was like, if I'm going to do it, I have to do it here. This is the only place where I'm not going to like, they're going to say you look to Asian, so we can't put you on whatever or something like that, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, well, this is yeah. it. They don't, you know, if I'm talented, they're going to take me. And so I started, the scary part was that, you know, I had a job still. Like my job at my company was still there. It's like a great paycheck, ton of benefits. And it's just like a very stable life, you know? Yeah. So I went back to the States and I did a bunch of meetings with like mentors and people that I respected. And the overwhelming response was kind of like, dude, okay, you live one life and you've always wanted to try this music thing, but you've never had the chance. And now the chance is here and you're questioning whether you're going to do this or not. Like, come on, you have to do this. And like, if you need to get a job, you will find a job some way, somehow. So don't worry about it. So it took that kind of push for me to get there. And once I got there, it was like another completely different experience of having to adjust and understand living in Korea because though I look Korean, culturally, socially, in every aspect of my life, I was so American. Right. So learning to live there, work there, and reconfigure the way I think or the way I approach problems was also a very big challenge. But all that to say, I look, I fast forward to where I am today. And what I've realized, this is a very recent kind of realization for me is that the difficulty of not really fully fitting in Korea and also not fully fitting in the States is something that's very unique to children of immigrants or people who are like Asian American. It's like that third culture kid kind of thing. And for a long time, I thought of it as something that would hold me back or something that kind of impaired my ability to do something. But now I think of it as like, I have such a unique perspective on how to problem solve or how to create or how to approach different scenarios because not a lot of people have gone through what I've gone through. And that makes me, that empowers me to do something differently. And so I think all those challenges at the top have really kind of brought me to where I am, you know, sit, even sitting here with you guys today talking. For sure. And I definitely want to come back to that belonging thing that you mentioned, because I, I, I also immigrated to the mm -hmm. U.S. when I was six. Uh, I was born in Italy. My parents are from Iran. So a lot of that background as well. I definitely want to come back to that. But I think you brought up a really good point in that like that leap of faith right that feels like so hard to take at the time and then now when you look at it you're like 
was I an idiot? Like, obviously I should have done that. Um, and I think what a lot of people also don't realize is, and similar thing happened to me, I, I was doing banking and then I left and I started mad happy and at the time seemed crazy, but now I'm like, I was an idiot. And, and, and I think it's like the risk, um, is, is so much lower when you're younger. Like you said, like I, I could get, go and get a job after, right? Like I wasn't like, you know, if anything, I, it's like right now is the time, right? When I have kids and, and a family and all that stuff later on, like it's going to be much harder to take those risks. So I think that's, that's super, you know, commendable that, that you did take that leap. And it seems like you had amazing people around you to, to help you do that. All of those things though, that you said, like, there's so, um, so much in there that like, when was it that you first even realized it's like more like mental health side of things, right? Like, was it growing up that you realized like, oh, like, I'm struggling because I have to like go down this path that I don't want to go down. Was it later when you were in Korea sort of by yourself that you realized that and, and felt that loneliness? When was that first experience for you? You know, it's interesting because I think when I was growing up, and I think mental health is such a, a, obviously you can never, it never hurts to talk a lot about mental health. You know, I think the more discussion, the conversation there is, the better. But I think when I was kind of going through middle high school, even college, conversations about mental health were very different. You know, this is what, 10 years ago, like it was still very taboo and you're still looked at a certain way if you're struggling with something. And, and even back then, like we use terminology, we do not use terminology that we use 10 years ago in terms of everyday words, because in many ways we realize that a lot of it can be hurtful or damaging. And, and, and so we've advanced a lot. But for me, and I think about probably my first real difficulty was probably like sophomore year of college. The first time I really felt overwhelming anxiety and burnout. So my sophomore year, I I had a full course load, and one of the courses required me to, you know, go downtown Boston and and volunteer at like seven a.m. once a week, and then do a night shift until like midnight. Um, so that was like two days of my week. But I was also doing. <laughs> This is going to sound ridiculous because it is ridiculous. So my parents called, my parents called and were like, Hey, you know, financially we're doing a little tough. Do we need to give you an allowance? If you, if we don't need to get allowance, that's great for me. I was like, Oh my gosh, my family, my family is about to fall apart financially. Like that was like, I went into like survival mode. It's a scary call. Man. Yeah. And so I was like, I need to make my own money. I need to do everything independently. So I had a full course load. I was working as a waiter at the faculty dining room. I was selling flights for JetBlue. I had started a organization at, at school that would take a group of us to Kenya in the summer. So we were fundraising uh, on the weekends at like football games and stuff. I was in involved with like student government and like a bunch of, it just didn't make sense. And I realized I had like a complete anxiety moment where I went home over Thanksgiving and I almost like fell apart. Cause I was like, I don't, I couldn't, I didn't think I could make it. And it was that realization where it's like, oh, this stuff actually happens. And I don't think I even knew what was happening. I was just like, man, I'm just like, tired. And I feel, yeah. I feel like really weird. But that was like my first like light brush in with it. My most severe moment was probably like a few years ago. I had like a panic attack, I think, on an airplane. Uh, I thought I was having a heart attack. Wow. Um, so I think these are things that, and I can only recognize that now because of the conversations that we have every day about anxiety but i thought i was gonna die for for a good few months and thankfully i'm fine but these are things that i think even to this day are very real and affect people across it doesn't matter like mental health does not discriminate in any way so yeah 
yeah i think the biggest thing for me is like being able to identify like i think so much of like what we try and do on this show and and even as a brand is like we're not doctors in any way like we're not diagnosing you but like the more that we share our stories like this and explain how we feel and like what that actually means is going on that's how people can really know what's going on because Mm -hmm. it's like you were just you didn't know that that was anxiety at the time and it just feels tired i'm just gonna get some sleep or like you might be depressed if you're tight all the time you don't know or like when you're having a panic attack and it feels like a heart attack like you need to be able to identify what's going on with yourself so you can get the help it's so cool to hear you talk about this stuff i was watching one of your guys uh mindset videos where you were kind of saying the biggest thing that people don't know about you is kind of your struggle and everything that you've been through and now hearing you kind of openly talk about those things and and really be proud of it as part of what makes you who you are is great to see and i think a lot of people kind of want to get there but it's tough for them and Mm -hmm. i guess my question for you is like what's allowed you to now not have that be something that no one knows about that you're hiding but something that you're really owning and kind of putting out there for people yeah you know i think um the days of celebrity being incredibly like, oh my God, they're just incredible superhumans is, is very flawless. Yeah. Yeah. It's very gone. And you know, social media feeds anxiety, but also has allowed us to kind of see other sides of people that we've, you know, traditionally put on a pedestal. And so I think for me, from a personal experience, like I've gone through, I probably, you know, anxiety and panic attacks to depression, just in different forms through different life events all over the world, wherever I've been. But there was a point where I had a really hard time and I was like, I really want to talk to somebody. And in Korea at the time, they were like, you can't talk to anybody because if you do, your career will be over. And that was a conversation that I still remember having with, wow. with a manager. And I was like, I am having such a hard time. Please let me go talk to someone. <laughs> and it, if you think about it now, like how ludicrous is that? That somebody asking for help is being denied help because it's not a good look. That's ridiculous to me. But there, there was that that I experienced personally. But then also in the world of K-pop in Korea and Asia, like it's something that is so under-discussed that for me, it kind of became a focal point for when I do talk to friends, other K-pop stars or celebrities or actors or whatever. Like That's kind of where a lot of conversations naturally lead. And I think seeing that and understanding that and having Dive Studios as like this podcast network that that my brothers and I do, we were like, we should create something that allows really influential people to talk about these things in a very safe way. And that's how we ended up creating Mindset where, you know, like you alluded to, I open up about a lot of the issues that I've gone through in detail for the first time because it's a, it's a very safe space for me to do that. And I think in many ways, fans of mine really connect to my music and my stories, particularly my music. And one of the most rewarding things is when people say like, your music XYZ song saved me when I was going through depression or like I had this moment in my life. But to be able to open up even more in detail and be very direct and not like, let me hint at it through song lyrics in two minutes and 30 seconds, but let me actually walk it out for you. Mm -hmm. That's what I think is very powerful and the intention behind what we've been trying to create with, with mindset. Yeah. And I think, I think you brought up a great point, which is like, even 10 years ago, it felt like as a celebrity, you couldn't bring anything up yeah. because also I, I think there weren't even the channels for that. Right. Cause I'm sure as soon as you started talking about it, you were like, wow, like my audience is like reacting so well to this. Clearly they want to talk about it because they're also going through their ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And I think what we also try to stress is like, 
mental health isn't only about the bad stuff, right? It, it, it seems super like every time we say that word, like everyone thinks negative all of a sudden. Mm. And it's really about like, just like the range of, of emotions that we feel on, on a day to day basis. And, and we try to emphasize that, right? Cause there's so much good stuff, right. That, that happens to, to all of us. And, and that side of things is often under discussed in the conversation on mental health and is something that, that we really, you know, care about. I think you brought up a good point around being in Korea and seeing like, wow, like way less than the U S like, are they talking about this things of that sort? Has that progressed uh, or would you say it's like still quite different than like sort of what's going on here? Cause that's, that's definitely something that uh, Mace and I were curious about. Of course, we don't know that much about like the K-pop world and, and all of that, but mm-hmm. would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I, I think it's progressed a good bit, like definitely from 10 years ago. I think in the past few years, you know, we see a lot more artists and entertainers just, they put it out there. It's like, I'm going through uh, like a panic or anxiety disorder kind of thing. So I'm taking a break, but it comes much more from like a, from what I've seen from like a company level, like a management, like release statement. Right. Um, and I think that's just, which is sad, but that's a, it, but it's a start. That's all I can say. Like yeah. I have to, I have to applaud the start of it because For sure. before it was just non-existent, at least from, from my understanding of it, it just felt like it was completely ignored. And so I'm happy to see that it's progressing. I think there is still a lot to do and a lot that can be done. Um, so the conversations continue to grow. And I hope that it's done in a way that's holistic, kind of like what you were saying about it's not just about the bad. It's about the good. It's about being mindful. Yeah. It's about enjoying life and, and enjoying every day and allowing yourself to do that as well. Coming back to the point you brought up about belonging, how have you developed with that now, right? Like, I think it's something that for me, at least, like I, I never will fully feel American or mm-hmm. Italian or, or Persian or any of those things. And and it's something that I, I've started to learn more about now that I go to therapy and, and really think back to like my identity and how I thought about that growing up. For you, how has that developed? Because I, I feel like it's like a very similar feeling that we, yeah. we share. Yeah, no, I, I can completely relate to that. I think what I've recently come to terms with or like what I've tried to like think of is just embracing myself for who I am, right? I have to embrace who I am just the way I am internally first before anybody else is able to do that. And I think a part of doing that will let you live unapologetically. Like you don't have to apologize for which, like I felt like I found myself as a kid apologizing because I didn't understand the full context of what was happening in my majority white school. Or I remember like field trips and like pack this and I have no idea what these things are on the list because who says thongs when it's actually flip-flops or slippers or sandals? Like who says that? But I remember just being terrified because I was like, my parents don't speak English. I'm not going to take a thong to school and then having to check five times with the teacher. And she's like, it's just sandals. I was like, then write sandals. Like, don't make me feel like I like I'm losing my mind. But like, I just remember like so many small things. And I think for a long time, it felt like it was a barrier. It was like it was like gaslighting. It's like it's not a big deal. Like you're just making things up. But but it is like for an immigrant kid when you don't fully feel accepted or you don't fully get the cultural context, you can't help but feel like you're faking something or you don't belong or that kind of thing. But again, it's like, for me, it's, it's come in the form of like being secure in my identity, who I am, what I do, what I enjoy and what I don't like, 
and knowing myself in that way has allowed me to kind of say like, I don't really care if you accept me or not. Like I'm here, just deal with it. And I think that's kind of the boldness that I have to live with that a lot of us have to live with for anybody who's ever felt like marginalized or kind of at the fringes of society, because that's the only way that people will finally accept us for who we are. Right. We can't for sure halfway meet them there and be like, well, well, like if you want, I'll change it this way. Like it doesn't, yeah. it, it shouldn't work like that anymore. Yeah. And it, it just starts and you're, you're totally right. It starts with loving and accepting yourself first Yeah, and whether or not other people follow is like out of our control. So I, right. I, I agree there for sure. Yeah, it's I'm I'm inspired to kind of just hear you guys talk about that. I mean, I can't really relate to to the immigrant part of it, but I think it's so cool to hear you guys kind of on the other side of that fence now. Like when we're growing up, it's all about kind of fitting in and mm -hmm. kind of feeling like you're a part of something. And then as you get older, it's like these different cultures and, and identities that I'm made up of are really part of what makes me special. And like the only one thing that I really have to be is myself. Mm -hmm. And like that's a cool we all have this crazy blend of, of where we come from, why we come from, what we like to do and things like that. I'm curious, Eric, like what is your kind of self-care and mental health look like now in terms of just like a support system, habits, mm -hmm. routines? Um, how do you take care of yourself now? I, I think a couple of things like I've, I've realized that like physical health is also incredibly important for mental health. And I say that because I've had a couple scares with my physical health where when you start wondering and feeling like you're going to be ill or you have a condition that messes with your head, I think the most, because you are not For able sure. to run at full capacity. And that is like a terrifying realization, especially when you've lived X amount of years, the way you are to be told that you're not able to do something or you can't do something like, so taking care of the physical. So like, I don't get to work out a lot, but like when I do, like trying to keep it as regular as possible. That's one thing. The second thing is just being very vocal and honest with the people around me, with my support system. I think I try to do my best to explain to, like usually it's like my brother or one of my managers or something. Just like, I'm not complaining. I'm not trying to whine. I just really need you to hear this because at least I need you to hear this so that I know that I'm not holding this in by myself, right? And so being able to have those conversations where it's like, I'm not mad at you and I'm not trying to whine. It's just, this is how I feel. And how can we fix this? What actionable steps can we take to fix this? That's like probably the more active things that I do. And then it's just, I think I get into like, it's kind of in myself to like every day be like, what is something that I feel good about? What is something that I'm really positive and happy for? And just kind of having that as a reminder I think has been really helpful. I think the other thing that I want to do that I really haven't had an opportunity to do is like really find a great therapist, mm. but it's, it's, uh, one of those things that it's I definitely, so hard, yeah. yeah, it's one of those things that I look forward to doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's the issue. I mean, I think you brought up a lot of great things there, which is like how everything is so connected, you know, physical health, mental, like they're all just health. And I think that all of those things coming together is is obviously where where we're trying to go and, mm -hmm. and take the conversation. Yeah, I gotta I gotta start working out more. That was <laughs> that was my takeaway from that. And and eating yeah. better too, right? It's like all all the things that we put yeah. into our body really I don't think people realize have such a huge impact on on how we feel. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about for the listeners out there with siblings or as part of a family, you know, you have two brothers, obviously very famously. I have 
two brothers and two sisters as well. Um, oh, wow. And I'm just fascinated by your guys' ability to work together um, and really like start something together and grow like that. I feel like for me, kind of my sibling dynamic and my family background and my upbringing has really had the biggest impact on like who I am today. So I guess just share kind of what that was like for you guys growing up, kind of what the dynamics were and, and like how you're able to have kind of such a strong both professional and personal relationship, it seems, uh, to really build something special together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have two brothers. Uh, Eddie is two years younger than me. Brian is eight years younger than me. So there's quite an age gap. And to be very honest, like growing up, we weren't the best of friends. We'll, we'll put it there. Yeah. Um, we were just so, we're so different. And I think I, I quickly realized when I was younger, I was like, I'm not going to try to change this dude. Like he's not going to change like just as much as I'm not going to change. Like, I think it's difficult to change people and their personalities, but I can just embrace it and accept it for who they are. And if I don't like it, I just won't deal with it. And, but for things that we do align on, like we'll, we'll enjoy it completely. But then it's when Eddie was finishing college or something, he was having like, he had like a moment, like a very pivotal moment in his life where he was just, I think, I don't know exactly what happened, but it changed him where I was like, oh, I can talk to this guy and have like conversations about anything now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he had hit like professionally and personally, like some lows and that kind of allowed him to see differently and understand me from a different perspective. So soon after college, he was working at William Morris. And then when my career slowly started to take off, he quit that. And then he started to manage me full time uh, internationally. And so I think quickly early on, like people are like, is it weird working with your brothers? Like, yes, there is a weird dynamic at the beginning. But for me, I think my approach was always like, look, there's nobody to keep you accountable. I'm your only boss and I'm not even like a normal boss. I want you to have these set of skills so that if like my career doesn't work out, you can still go work for someone and be like a functioning human. <laughs> and so I'm going to call you out yeah. out of love. All the things that I do, anything that I say to you, don't take it the wrong way. It's because I... And worried about you as a brother. And I think that's like the thing that my youngest brother and I, when we started working together, what, two years ago now, like I was had to be very clear on like, I'm going to say things to you. It's out of love. And it's so you can become a better CEO. So you can become a better entrepreneur. And there's going to be a point where you outgrow me and that's fine. But like, let me kind of impart my wisdom onto you. And so setting that up and then also understanding that it goes both ways. So if they got to call me out on something, I have to have the grace and the humility and the patience to hear them out so that we can keep this like relationship growing. So I'm surprised, honestly, when I think about when we were young, because Brian, like I, I think of myself as having raised the kid, like changed his diapers and fed him and teaching, teaching him how to read. Um, but technically he's like CEO of, of dive studios. And he's like my boss technically. And so yeah. it's, it's been a complete, <laughs> flip in roles, but it's something that I think I'm so grateful to have. And I'm so proud of to be able to have like brothers that I can fully trust. And even if, and even when we might have little disagreements on certain projects or certain points of view, like at the end of the day, we're brothers and everything comes from love. I think having that sort of mentality kind of helps smooth everything over all the time. Yeah, totally. I think, um, one of our other founders is actually my brother, Noah, who's two years younger than me. So I think it's something that like we've been going through also just like realizing that working together in a business that's like so intense, yeah. a startup, like it 
it does like change things a little bit because it's not just like a brother relationship. There's also like the work side and and being aware of that, being able to talk about it and like getting through the the bumps. And I think the best part about it, like you said, is like it does start from like that base of like love and trust. And like mm-hmm. I know everything that he's done in his entire life because I've known him since he was born, you know, <laughs> and, and 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 that is irreplaceable. And I think I'm lucky to have a great partnership with, with all of our our four founders, but I think that base is, has been very illuminating, but it's not like you can just do it and hope everything works out. I think just like continually like managing it and watching it you and making sure it, right? yeah, yeah, that we still have like the, the brother relationship is so important. No, I, I completely agree. There, there are conversations where I'm like, okay, time out. This is not business, Eric. This is not business, Brian or Eddie. Like this is brother time. So like I'm saying this to you as like, somebody concerned about you as a human not as like a business person yeah like so i find myself having those every once in a while but yeah it's interesting too it's like when we were talking to people who've who've always like how do you make this work i'm like dude there's three of us there's never a tie so somebody is always going to be unfortunately (laughs) wrong so yeah yeah. and so like anything that we have an issue with it's like quashed it's like we vote two to one great move forward. And so I think it's a very like systematically speaking on the business side, it's a very simple process for us to kind of move forward on things in that way. And I guess you touched on it a little bit earlier, but mindset, like what is the mission of mindset? Where do you hope it is in 10 years? Where do you hope that you guys will take it? Yeah. I mean, we're still, you know, so new and early, but we have a lot of really cool uh, people joining us. Um, We've really been focused on honing in on like telling incredible stories for artists, like things that, you know, you're not going to hear in just like an everyday interview. And I think having people be open and vulnerable in that way and being intentional about it is probably the most empowering thing. And to know that if I'm a fan of XYZ person, I'm going to hear things that I've never heard them ever speak on in their own words. And I'm going to feel some sort of inspiration or empathy or sympathy but at the end of the day, like they're sharing this so that I can become a better version of myself. I think that's like one of like the coolest things that we're trying to build. So it comes in the forms of audio collections right now, but we have like a bunch of different forms of it and the different, I can't give away too much because it's all like, it'll, it'll come soon. But um, it's something that as we've been talking to creators and um, people, it's something that I think a lot of people really see the importance and the value. And so, yeah, we have a lot in store really excited about it. And um, I think at the end of the day, it's just going to help everybody kind of be human together. And that's kind of like our tagline, Uh, be human together, like everybody do your thing. Yeah, I mean, we love what you guys are doing. Obviously, Um, it's super similar to us and kind of like what our idea Mm -hmm. was for this show was to really have people on and really Mm -hmm. open up and like talk about things that they wouldn't normally talk about. And like, we like to try and ask people questions that they don't really get all the time. Like we want to talk to Eric and like, we don't want to talk about music that much, right? Like we want to talk about the person and and things like that. So there's definitely a lot of synergy between what what we're both doing and we're excited for all the secrets that you can't share with us yet. Yeah, and and as we wrap up, I I had a couple quick rapid fire questions for you and then Mason will wrap us up with our usual ending. But one question I've always had is like, what is one K-pop misconception that you think a lot of people have? Ooh, one K-pop misconception. I guess that like the artists are robots. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I think there was like, there was a point in time where and when 
K-pop was seen as just this machine. And in many ways, it is like there's a very big system behind it. But I think that system is just a it, – it creates incredible art and production value, right? Like the reason K-pop stands out so strong and so well is because in part of the system that is meticulous in detail and like storytelling and all these types of things. Whereas in the States, it's much more focused on like this one artist and the artist has, takes over all. But I think because the West is like that, when they see like a system, they automatically demonize it. Yeah. I think there are pros and cons to both in the West and in K-pop. And so I don't think there's a right or a wrong. I, I will say like in terms of that misconception, a lot of artists are incredibly, most of them are incredibly talented. They're incredibly uh, creative. I think the part that people write off is the fact that they contribute a lot to the creativity is just sometimes overshadowed by the major label or like the big giant that kind of houses them. And so a lot of the ideas, the choreographies, the lyrics, it is by the artists. They just don't really realize it. Yeah, that, that's great. Thank you. And what is one tip you would have for uh, for podcasters, you know, like oh. like us, like what is one thing that you want to impart to us? <laughs> the interview that, master yeah, himself. That, yeah, that, that we should uh, carry with us. No, I mean, first of all, I think you guys, you guys are great. Like, I think you guys have great questions, and the one thing that I think a lot of podcasters, including myself, sometimes are afraid of is silence, of having quiet on audio, because it can be, it can feel very naked, but. I think sometimes silence is the most powerful thing when it comes to a conversation. And so not to be afraid of that silence every once in a while. And finally, just don't get burned out. The podcasting is intensive, you guys. Like I'm sure, I don't know how deep you guys are in right now in terms of the interviews and everything, but- And we're like eight in, but we know, yeah. It's intensive. <laughs> I think people are like, podcasting is so easy. Just link it up to your mic and you just talk. I'm like, yeah, if you want two people to listen, but if you want to actually build an <laughs> yeah. audience, it has to have a lot of thought behind it, intentionality. And I think that can sometimes be overbearing. So just like you guys are, you know, very well versed in the world of mental health and taking care of yourselves. Listen to your, yourselves and just if you need a break, take a break. Definitely. Love that. Yeah. The, the silence thing is huge. I think I don't ever want to have that, but it's so normal <laughs> and like gives people time to kind of think and it's extremely natural um well we end every episode uh with the same two questions that i'll hit you with uh the first is if you could nominate anyone to come on the show who you think has a really cool mental health experience uh, who's really open about it maybe someone you've had on mindset or just another person that you would love to hear their story that you don't know uh who would that be wow what a great question one a really great guest like somebody who has an incredible story is tableau he has like a mindset and his mindset is so powerful. Like the, the stories that he has about his life and the things that he's been through are just absolutely incredible. So Tableau, he's yeah. like a legendary rapper, um, hip hop artist. I would highly recommend. I would personally also really like to know like the mental health side of like Barack Obama. Yeah. I, you know, he, he was the president. And like, he's been through so much as I'm sure many presidents do, but like to hear him actually open up a lot about like mental health, I think would be really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, 
not only would that be absolutely incredible and a dream come true, but I just think to hear someone on that level really talk about yeah. these kind of things yeah. can help normalize it a lot for not only the American people, obviously, but people all around the world. Right. Um, cool. So if you could make that happen, just to let us know. <laughs> Hit up Obama. You know, so, yo, Barack, Barack and I, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Mr. Obama, yeah, if you want to do a mindset and a, a podcast with Men Happy, let us know. We're here. Yeah. We're waiting for you. Hell yeah. Anytime. Um, we'll make, we'll, we'll pencil you in. Yeah. See if we can make it work. Uh, last question. Uh, Eric Nam, what makes you mad happy? What makes me mad happy? Oh, oh, gosh. I'm so simple. Like friends, a few good drinks, and like, good food like honestly there's nothing that makes me happier than spending time with like friends and family yeah i'm just really simple and then the other thing is like performing on stage mm -hmm. which i hope to do very soon i finally i booked my first festival gig in the states so i'm like stoked have you announced it yet yeah it just announced this week we're doing uh music midtown it's a hometown show in atlanta you're coming home i'm going home i've never been to music midtown i've also never done a festival in the states so it's like Wow. A lot of things kind of combining and colliding. So I'm like super stoked and I hope I don't mess it up. But, um, you know, it'll be great. That's amazing. <laughs> well, Eric, thank you so much. Really, 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 really appreciate you joining us. Uh, where where should the audience find you and, and everything that you guys are up to? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. Um, great to, to link over Zoom or uh, hopefully we could do this in person. And uh, yeah, so you guys can find me. Just type in Eric Nam, Eric with the C. NAM. I'm all over socials. And then, you know, check out our stuff. You know, if you want our podcast, we have Dive Studios. And then check out Mindset. You can go to getmindset.com for like some really incredible, powerful stories from some celebrities. So if you don't see your favorite celebrity, celebrity there yet, you know, hopefully we'll have some. It's coming. Fit your taste soon. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Eric. This was dope, man. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Bye, everyone. Peace. Thank you guys so much for listening. It means the world to us that you took time out of your day to participate in this conversation. We hope you were able to learn something from it. And of course, a big thank you to Eric Nam for joining us today and really his willingness to open up about his life experience and how that's really shaped who he's becoming as a human and in his music career. We also want to remind everyone, ourselves included, that mental health is an ongoing process and it's something that takes daily work. For more information on how to get support, please check out localoptimist.com backslash podcast. If you want to support the show, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next week for our conversation with where we talk about our feelings. See you next time. The Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism.